Today's episode is very intense, um, very sad. It involves um, death and mentions of suicide. Um, so skip it if you're not in a place to have a big emotional thingy. Also, the music is done by Davu, a improvised experimental music thing that I'm a part of, Lincoln Show Notes. Now time for the show. Let me pull up the script. Um, welcome to a year from now. Show where we interview someone, wait a year, check back in, see what happens. Here's my intro. I love form and tropes in movies and rom-coms, the meat cute all that stuff. These tropes are great. One of my favorites is the Declaration of Love. One of the best is in Jerry Maguire. He's given this long speech, you know, he barges in, he's like, hello, hello, hi, boom, you know. This is where it has to happen, and this is where it has to happen. Blah, 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 big speech, big speech, and he brings it down low. You complete me. And then Renee Zellweger's like, just shut up. You had me at hello. Hello. Great Declaration of Love. But there's an offshoot of the Declaration of Love called the Interrupted Declaration of Love. It's when a character is about to say I love you and then gets interrupted. One example would be in season one of Friends, Ross is trying to ask Rachel out and he keeps getting interrupted. In one attempt, Ross and Rachel are out on the balcony and he kind of gears himself up. He's about to be like, will you go out with me? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here goes. He's been putting it off. He's finally going to do it. Um, well, for a while now, I've been wanting to... Um... And then Rachel sounds like she's into it. Oh. Yes, yes. But she's actually distracted because she sees a cat behind Ross. That's, that's Look at right. Look that little cat. <laughs> <laughs> what? And then the cat jumps on Ross. <laughs> we'll talk about that trope specifically in a little bit. But in general, we like these tropes because because they mimic life while explaining it. Which makes sense because we make stories to explain life. And then we see stories and we're like, whoa, hey, that's like life. Today's main story is about, in part, my struggle with someone's story not quite fitting that movie-like narrative. Let's get to that. This week's main story is about Kate Bush. Not that Kate Bush. In my notes, I call her Kate Bush because we don't use last names in this show. And her name is Kate, and she lives in the bush in Australia. Her story, at least, for this first part of the interview was about recovering from a heartbreak. But more than just heartbreak, a lot else was broken. Here's Kate. This is in September of 2020. Hello, there you are. Oh, great. We're right right back. It's about, what, 10.30 right now? Yeah, about 10.30 here. It's been a weird day. It's been a weird month. My ex is still siphoning money out of my account, and I don't know how he's doing it. Kate's ex, Luke, is not that great of a guy. At one point, she said he was pretending to be disabled, which was hurtful because she actually is. Well, you are disabled. I don't know what disability you have, but what does it feel like to see someone who is not disabled or presumably not disabled uh, pretend they are? Um, cruel. 
very cruel. 25 years ago, I was in a hit and run and I got run over and reversed over. And then they went forward again and my left leg was crushed, my left ankle was crushed, my left hip was crushed, my right wrist was crushed. And the only reason I knew it was the Messiah is because as I went under the the back of the car, I looked up and saw the decal, you know, the little Mercedes decal on the back of the boot. I looked up and went, oh, it's a Mercedes, <laughs> as it was running over me. <laughs> and then it took off. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's kind of funny. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously laughing at just like... Yeah, I know. It is. It's ridiculous. I went through 14 operations after that, and I was out of work for two and a half years. It was hell. It was absolute hell. And that was way before I met him. And um, I got myself back up again. I got myself walking. I got myself being able to walk without too much staggering or too much limp. That is absolutely brutal. So you, you build yourself back up. Yeah, um, it was. It takes, takes yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, build myself up from that. And then you, then you meet... Two and a half years. ...the supposed love of your life. Well, I was, I was single for about 10 years before I met my partner. I'd taken 10 years to build myself up. I'd just come out of a really bad relationship. I've always been bisexual, and I'd just come out of a bad relationship with a woman. Then after this, um, I'd worked myself back up again. Then I met this guy called Luke, and he was... I've, I've only ever been attracted to one other man before him, and I found a man, I found a man that was stronger than me, and that was attractive initially until I realized he wasn't. It was just an image. He's like was bravado. Put out so he could get, yeah, bravado, yeah, exactly. Machismo, bravado, all that. Kate and Luke were together for around 15 years, and about four years ago. got an inheritance about four years ago mm-hmm. when my dad died, and... Um, he said, let's go out to the country. And I said, oh, that's a good idea. You know, I've been, I'm 55. I've been working all my life in law. And I was, I was tired in the city, in, in Sydney. I got really tired. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to go out to the bush. Because that's where I grew up when I was very little, very little. Yeah. Well, it's funny because as an outsider, just like the, the few details you've given me, I have this kind of rosy image of Australia. Um, uh, your movie sounds like a story right now, right? Flip that. Your story sounds like a movie. Uh, you get hit by a car. You build yourself back up. You, 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 you have this kind <laughs> oh, of... Oh, you fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get fucked. <laughs> How's that sound? It was hell. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm so sorry. It was hell. Yeah, you take your Rosie and you shove it up your proverbial. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. Is that a bit Aussie for you? Didn't that's, mean to. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. It's uh, it's the truth, that's right? That's fucking truth, um, absolutely, one hundred percent. Jesus Christ! How about you go and lay down and let a fucking Mercedes roll over you a couple of times, then you pop up and say, "Oh, that's Rosie. That's just joyous." Do a podcast. Yeah. No. Come on. Give me. A, I'm getting. I'm getting a bit. Mm, thingy now. That's that's not joyous and they're not beautiful. It's my life. Kate's life has been hard. 
Some awful things have happened. Worse things than what you're about to hear, and you're going to hear some pretty awful things. But the rosiness does exist alongside the pain. So I'll just give you one pastoral scene or <laughs> bucolic whatever. Cute image of the bush before Kate describes some of the rougher bits. And um, when you see a, a mama sheep, like my mama sheep at the back, Dolores, she's lovely. Oh, she's so lovely. She's beautiful. She's so snuggly. And the kangaroos came down one morning because we've been through a drought here for the last, oh, God, three and a half years. No water, no nothing. I must admit, I was a bit nasty. I kept feeding them fruitcake. I like fruitcake. It makes them a little bit insane. It's, it's like people drinking wine. The sheep get all thirsty. It's fun to watch. <laughs> this kangaroo came down in the paddock and I had this big standoff for about 45 minutes. I was watching out the back of my window. <laughs> go, Dolores! Go! <laughs> and um, she said, you are not coming in. She took this kangaroo right in the middle of its stomach and it looked like it was being flipped into a U. You know oh. the U, the little U? And it was chucked over a fence. And it got up. I just sort of stood there for a bit and thought about its life decision. And um, I said, yeah, no, I'm going to go now. And I love my Dolores. And that's the cinematic version of the bush in small town Australia. She lives in Grenfell, population around 2,500. It's got a chemist, it's got a news agency, and it's got five pubs, which says everything you need to know about Australia. <laughs> but the fuller image involves isolation, high heating prices, and Luke leaving her when she needed him. I've looked after him for 15 years financially. My money ran low. All of a sudden, I had to have operations, big ones. Okay, recently? Yeah, in the last 18 months, I've had three operations. He had to look after me, and that was a bit, that was a bit too hard, apparently. Mm. And then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, all of a sudden found a new girl because he wouldn't come home. And every time I'd send him down to the shop for the 150 bucks to do the shopping, he'd just go to the pub every single day. It got worse. Luke got into meth and further abandoned Kate while she was homebound. And after Luke has just left me, I was talking to one of my friends and she's a nun. And she said, you've got no family. And I said, well, I have got family. I just haven't talked to them for a long while. And she said, oh, well, at least they're there still. And she never told me to call them. Maybe, you know, you want to see if they're there or not. And I did. And this last weekend, I spoke to my sister, both my sisters, for the first time in 25 years. Oh, wow. And that was, yeah, that was really amazing. <laughs> Sorry. Just a bit emotional on that. It's been 25 years. Oh, we both, we all had forwards uh, when we were young. We're all proud idiots. And then when I was with Luke, he had a bad family relationship with his mother and his brother. And he said, family are crap. And I said, but what if they're not? And I tried to get him to talk to his mum and talk to his brother and all that sort of stuff. And then he did try it once. And that didn't go very, down very well. And then he got really drunk and he smacked me. He was 
not happy. He was unhappy, but I'd made him feel bad. I used to be a strong person, you know, Matt? Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really hard to feel now. But I used to be fucking so strong and confident. And I worked in high-level law, and I've worked in parliament and government. I used to have money, and when my money ran out, that's when he ran out. <laughs> and it seems like... Even though in this moment you're really beaten down and things are really hard, you do see that uh, you'll be all right. But specifically one year into the future, how do I've you picture yourself? One's dead, and that seems very fucking inviting some days. Some nights, I walk out into my paddocks and I look at the sturdy fucking limbs of my trees. And I think, yeah, that'll do it. My mum killed herself when I was... 11, and I have no problem with that. The other option is me fighting. That option is me never, ever choosing a man that needs help again. Me choosing maybe someone that is whole in themselves. Maybe me being whole in myself, and I don't know what that means. I really have no fucking idea what that means. I don't know. Do you want to ask anything else? Um, I certainly do. You have such an incredible story and also such an incredible reserve of a strength and and you're hilarious no, I'm, too i'm fucking hilarious i'm just australian i'm just australian <laughs> and we take we take pleasure in pain and mix it into reality and sometimes it's funny now we do the thing where we jump one year into the future kate's story as framed is a pretty recognizable one a strong woman perhaps because of her strength and not in spite of it stays with a flawed and abusive person She has a whole life behind her that set her up for bad relationship habits. And perhaps now, in her third act, she'll get to live the life that she deserved. That's what the story was teed up to be. But that's not what happened. Instead, when I called her back one year later, Hello? That story went out the window. Hi, this is Matthew Schneeman. I am a journalist that interviewed you last year, I believe. Oh, hey, Matthew, how are you going? But before that shoe drops, isn't it cute that Australians say, how are you going, instead of how are you doing? Hey, Matthew, how are you going? Yeah, hi, how are you going? Oh, hey, Matthew, how are you going? It is cute, but she wasn't going or doing well. Um, how, how are you doing today? Anything going on? Uh, yeah, yeah well, it's been a, been a busy year. I've had a yeah. terminal um, diagnosis for a for my, for my illness, so I've got about 12 to 2 years to live, 12 months to 2 years. That is um, very big news. Last year I was admitted to hospital for um, double pneumonia, and then back in Jan- January, oh. my body started filling up with fluid, and then my legs burst, and I had fluid everywhere, and I couldn't walk, and then I had a heart attack. Yeah, and I, uh, I did all around a barrage. And I found that I've had a heart attack and I've got right-sided heart failure. Um, stage three and liver disease. Basically, her heart and liver are both. 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of another word besides fucked. The right side of her heart, those muscles aren't pumping that well. That may be genetic. And her liver, possibly because she had hepatitis C in the past, is damaged and failing. The kicker is you can't get a heart transplant if your liver is failing and you can't get a liver transplant if your heart is not working so well. The fluid that builds up is because her liver can't process the blood well and her heart can't pump it very well. So yeah, I drained, I've just drained um, up in February and I'm probably gonna have to go in again. I drained 26 kilos of fluid out of my body. He said, you've got about 12 months to maybe two years if the medications work. We can make you as comfortable as possible. If I ever hear that bloody term again, Matthew, I swear, everyone keeps telling me, we're just gonna make you as comfortable as possible. It's, um, I've, I've had my year of you know, raging at the universe and shaking my fist at God or whatever is up there. It's wild to go from shaking your fist at this, your ex who, um, by your description, seems like a fairly bad person, and then toxic, <laughs> switching <laughs> your fist to the heavens, <laughs> like one teeny yeah, person, like, and then the whole... <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's like, why? Come on. Haven't I... De- you know, I've been through enough. And then I started thinking, I thought, well, I'm expecting life to be fair, and it's just not. It's not. But I did get to the point where I was just going, oh, whack, you know, come on. Go bother somebody else, for God's sake. You know, I've had enough. <laughs> I've really had enough. Oh, there was a, a very, very dark comedic edge to it. It was like, yeah, right, are you doing it right? You've nailed it. You've got this. <laughs> Whatever's out there killing me. You, you, you've done a good job. You can go at home and have a tea and have a rest now. Oh, fucking A. They cut me off because I didn't have money on my fucking account. Oh, my Lord. Oh, you keep dropping it. I think I know what's happening. Though. We've got big storms coming in over the mountains. Yeah, we've, got a, we've only got one big Telstra tower out there on the top of the mountain. So. Yeah. That's probably the first one, but this one is, I'm pretty sure my Skype account, I ran out of money. <laughs> I thought they let you know before that happens, <laughs> but I just had to put some more money on it. I was pretty shocked when she told me the news. It kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, I guess like part of yeah. me wants you to be able to like, it was hard for me to process, have the strength and freedom, even though that you know that your timeline, your, your death is coming up quickly, but within, but because you've like gotten out of this relationship that like, you know, is I'm really you know, struggling, grasping at straws. You're free or you're good or, you know, like time doesn't matter because you found, you know, like if, as if it was a movie. I had a happy ending. Yeah. I don't know. I wish I'd had a happy ending too, but maybe it's just as important not to romanticize because it's real life. You know, it's, um, Sometimes happy endings don't happen. No happy ending. But maybe that's because this was the beginning. Maybe this is where I should have started the story. Kate's last year, her journey. Maybe it would be a very sad ending, but happy in its own sad but beautiful way. I kept up with Kate. This is four months later. Yeah, hi. How are you going? Uh, Pretty good. Kate was homebound. 
mostly with her dogs and her cats. They were a comfort. They sound cute. That's stressful. But my dogs are good, my cats are good, so that's something. Um, I'm in stage four now of liver disease. Um, out as possible points, where a 75 failure, total failure, I'm up. I'm at 66.9. Well, she couldn't talk for long. <clears throat> uh, darling, I'm not going to be able to talk for too much longer at the moment. I'm getting really breathless. Oh, I'm sorry. Two months later? Honey, get down. I've got one of my big dogs up here trying to sniff the phone and see who's on the other I've end. I've got a half great day and half boxer trying to sit on my lap at the moment. <laughs> Give me attention. You seem to be talking to somebody. In my body's starting to shut down when I'm laying down at night. All the fluid from my lungs rises up into my, into my throat and blocks my breathing, blocks my breathing tubes, my airways. And I sort of have to sit up and give myself the Heimlich maneuver, you know, to get rid of it. Really? Uh, it it yeah. comes out? Yeah. And I literally, I wake up not being able to take a breath and I just have to sort of throw myself forward and hit my chest on my knees and it comes out. I asked her about physician-assisted death. You know, I may come a time when I might take too many tablets. You know, that'll that'll be about it. But as far as sitting down and having somebody inject me with something, I couldn't do that. Oh, and I got a short while, so I'm going to, you know, might as well sort of stay till the end of the movie. Even though you don't <laughs> like it, we've all sat through bad movies. <laughs> Maybe all my talk of movies rubbed off on her. It's a shitty, crappy movie, Matthew. It's crap. And it's like... It's a bastard-covered bastard with bastard filling, I think is the term. I think I'm, I want like a nugget of wisdom or something. And this is also sounds familiar. I wonder if I've already bugged you about this, but I'm wrestling with the fact that life and death aren't movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very true. And um, that's at the same time you can observe all you want, but you don't know what it's like to living it. Death to me is a metaphor. But to Kate, it's something different. No one, you know, you wake up and you'll plan for next week or next month. I don't do that. It's taking in your circle to a smaller space. Because when you have hope and you think you have a future, and and that can that can be, you know, that that's that's living a life larger, much larger than the small circle that I live in. Her circle was getting smaller. Two months later. I once heard some ancient Greek or someone was talking about how the body yeah. will prepare someone for death. I think so. I think it's um, getting ready to, to lay down tools, so to speak. It's um, not as hungry as I used to be. Uh, I'm a thirsty. I've got to make myself eat. It's like most animals when, they, when they're ready to die, they stop eating. And, um, they just fade away. Yeah, that's what my grandpa did. Does your cat want in or out? She, she's she's walking into the middle of a hallway and talking to another ghost cat. I think. <sighs> I'm sorry that you're feeling bad. I'm. Yeah. Yeah, the discomfort. Okay. It's gotta be rough. Okay. It is rough. It's lonely too. What's that? It's lonely too. It's hard being alone through with this. Oh, I don't think I've got long to talk to, my darling. Yeah, well, thanks for picking up. Um, it's always nice to check in with you. Yeah. Try again, but don't 
don't worry if one day you don't get through. It's just minutes. No, it's been my time. This is just about two weeks later. There was something I wanted to tell Kate. So, it is October 31st. Oh, it's Halloween. Spooky. And I wanted to talk to Kate and say thank you because I realized that in all of our calls, I've always assumed I'll get one more call, but I did want to call and tell her thanks. It's been very nice to hear from her and learn from her. Hello. Oh, hey, Kate. This is Matthew Schneeman, the journalist. Oh, hey, Matthew. How are you going? This call, Kate had some energy. She didn't sound that bad. I'm currently looking for my walking stick. I don't know where I put it. She was actually about to be picked up to go out for coffee or a hot chocolate. Um, I get a small hot chocolate, though. It's mm-hmm. really cold here today. Um, I Today, I actually went through all of our interviews because I'm, oh, right. I'm editing your episode. We certainly talked a lot and you must have a lot to edit. And during that editing, it made me realize just how much I liked Kate as a person. I felt for her. The way that her mom was cold towards Kate, and then she died so early. What that would do to a kid. How Kate's heart was so big, and she'd taken these animals, and then she took in people. And then those people exploited that heart, the way that her ex did. And then they came across a clip that broke my heart. After a whole lifetime of things like this, I just wanted her to be able to have some peace. I don't know, when you when you come home after a big day, you've had a nice hot shower or something, you lie down, you just feel your body just sort of go, ah. And I, I don't get that. I don't get that feeling. And I'd love it. I would just love it. I'd love that ah feeling. During this project, I've referenced how part of me wants Kate's story to be like a movie. And it wasn't shaping up like that. But finally, I did get a cinematic moment, just not the kind I was hoping for. I'm just wandering around. I put my can down somewhere and I don't know where it is. Remember the interrupted declaration of love when someone's trying to say something important and they get cut off? I'm going to have to go on my hunt for it because I can't go out without it. Yeah, well, I'll... I'll, I'll now me, like Ross from Friends, was building up to say something important. And not to be too dramatic, but... Mm. You know, if your health does take a turn, I wanted to be able to, like, I wanted to be able to say thank you and goodbye, I suppose. Say, uh, you know, it's been really I'll nice. I'll in contact. I'll let, you, I'll let you know how I'm going. Oh, my friend is here, Matthew. I've got to go. Okay. All right, darling. Take care. Yep. Thanks for picking up. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, thank you. Last time I talked to Kate, she wasn't feeling well. Oh, don't okay. I appreciate talking to you. I do very much. Pet your cats for me? Yeah.
I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Give me a call. Okay, will do. A couple of weeks later, I checked in. She didn't pick up. I called again. And then I remembered something that she said. And if I don't answer it, you'll, you'll, you'll know I'm gone. I won't not answer your call. Nice to hear from you. I last time I talked to you, you said if I don't answer, I I will have gone, and I was just wondering. Oh shit, <laughs> did it happen? Yeah, no. I'm kicking on till Christmas. I'll just so probably gonna be my last one. I'd say so. I'm gonna make sure I enjoy it. I'm even gonna be super naughty and have a glass of wine. Yeah, glass of wine, some prawns, and lobster tails, and. Mm. Is that a Christmas thing or just something you like? The the prawns. No, that's, and... that's a that's just so it's an Australian Christmas thing. Really? We eat a lot of seafood at Christmas time. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, you have the opposite Christmas because it's summer over there, right? I've done Christmas in the sarong. <laughs> Two little prawns and do some lobster tails on the barbecue and have some oysters and some nice fresh salads. It was her last Christmas. Months later, the phone stopped ringing. It actually didn't ring at all. It went straight to... Your call could not be connected. The number you are dialing is not accepting your call. Your call could not be connected. The message repeated the over and over. It was a bit call. eerie. Your call I sent her a Reddit message. Later, I found a death notice on an Australian website that confirmed that someone with her name from the same city died in March. I wrote her an email. Hi, Kate. Just checking in. Hope you're still around. But if not, I'm glad you're not in pain anymore. Seems like the majority of me assumes you've died. I wouldn't write that if I thought you were alive. Prove me wrong! Exclamation mark. Anyway, see you later! Exclamation mark. I teared up a little. Said my version of a prayer. But then, the next day I got a reply. Good day, mate. I suppose you must have a fair bit in your book about me, but I don't mind. For a moment I thought it was Kate, but no. My Kate, she spoke her mind on most subjects. I want you to know I was there for her. At the end, the whole time, day and night. It was Luke, her ex. She must have given him access to her emails before she died. She had told me he had been coming around helping out with errands to see the dogs. He told me the exact time of her death. It was oddly soothing. Huh. She had reconciled with him in some regard, accepted his limits, saw how her codependency sought something from him that he never had to give. Not that they're together. Even though he's around, there's not an impulse to be like... No, no, God, no. (laughs) Absolutely not, absolutely not. I'd take myself out and kick my own ass if I did that. I don't know Luke, but I have a biased anger towards him. But if Kate can somewhat forgive him, I should at least give him impartiality. Luke wrote to me, 
I really fucked up a good part of her life, and I'll have to live with that, that regret. Kate said I'd feel this way and that way, and she was right about that. In the end, Kate showed me acceptance. Acceptance of life, the bad things. Kate's mom was an addict. Her dad drank and was abusive. Kate was raped when she was around 11 years old, and that wasn't the end of sexual violence for her. She herself later fell into drugs. Don't forget the car crash. And now is the time where I do a counterbalance of all that bad stuff with the good stuff. Her lust for life, her love of kebabs, hatred of kale. Fuck that. Kate was a person who was hurt. Over and over again. And there's no point to it. She was hurt, she was hurt, she was beat down and then her body gave out. It's awful. And I hate it. <laughs> it makes me just like hate any semblance of order in the world. Because there isn't. It makes me hate crushed, really. More like a balloon going out. I keep thinking that she was robbed. You look around, you want to rage, but there's no one to blame. But robbed of what? What are we guaranteed? What are we entitled to? Kate showed me that we're not entitled to anything. And you have to accept that. You look around, you want to rage, but there's no one to blame. I mean, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm not gonna lie. I'm scared that I'm, I'm not quitting and I'm not, I'm not calling it failing. You look around. It's just the natural way of things has, has gone. You want to rage. There's no one to blame. But there's no one to blame. You know, you look around, you want to rage, but there's no one to blame. You look around, you want to rage, but there's no one to blame. A Year From Now is produced and mixed and all that stuff by me, Matthew Schneeman. Music was done by me and Musical Corpses, a online musical collective. You can hit up the show notes to donate if you like. This is an independent show, no ad, so um, donate if you can. This ends the suite of rom-com episodes. Next suite is Neurons, all about brain stuff. Check it out. Thanks. I'll see you next year. <laughs>